Hi everybody, this is Ben, and this is Ben's Week in Medical School, sharing knowledge about the human body and giving you a glimpse into life in medical school. This podcast is for your entertainment and education. I do my best to present accurate information, but this podcast is not professional medical advice. The podcast is a personal project and does not represent the views of my medical school. Welcome back. This is episode 22, and this is the end of week 25 of medical school. This week, we switched gears from learning about the blood to learning about cancers. And I'm going to touch on sickle cell anemia, which was one topic that I wanted to discuss about blood before mentioning a few of my thoughts from our first week of cancer. Then my favorite lecture of the week is sort of cheating because it was not about oncology at all, but it was actually a cool extracurricular lecture from a professor at Yale about the ancient practice of medicine in Mesopotamia. Before I jump into sickle cell anemia, I wanted to give a little plug on the monoclonal antibody study that I've joined and I'm participating in. Our lead investigator is on the NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt from a few days ago. Uh, His name is Dr. Bill Fales, and he's um, I'm going to send a link into the show notes with a description of the monoclonal antibodies and how there's a struggle right now to get more of them in use, even though they've been shown to be pretty helpful at keeping people with COVID out of the hospital. Um, there isn't really that much knowledge about them in the broad community of both physicians and patients. Check out that link in the show notes. Dr. Fails comes up at 45 seconds in. So up to 10% of African-American people have sickle cell trait, which is a specific change in one part of the red blood cell, the part that actually carries oxygen, hemoglobin. This 10% of of African-American people, they have one normal copy of the hemoglobin gene from either mom or dad, but they got a sickle cell version from their other parent. So this group of people will never get symptoms at all, but if they have a child with another person who also has a single copy of the sickle cell hemoglobin gene, their child has a one in four chance of sickle cell disease. Having sickle cell disease is a terribly painful condition. Our blood cells are normally shaped like donuts, kind of, or inner tubes, and they're really squishy. Their normal size is about 8 microns wide, but they can squish and squeeze through capillaries that are only 3 microns wide when they go through the lungs and deliver oxygen to all the tiny capillaries and fingers and muscles and organs. The most important thing inside the blood vessels is hemoglobin, and it squishes alongside everything else in your red blood cells. But for people with sickle cell disease, this change to the gene exposes a sticky spot on the hemoglobin protein, which can make it stick to other hemoglobins, and they form long, sharp, unbendy chains, and this is called sickling. And it's like having thousands of tent poles just spontaneously form inside of each blood cell, and they reshape the cell, they stretch it, and turn it into a pointy sickle shape instead of a squishy donut. And when the cell can no longer bend and squish, it'll get stuck and it'll block many, many small blood vessels and more will stack up behind it. 
and it's extraordinarily painful and it can be deadly. Many people with sickle cell will die from blockages in the arteries around the lungs. I didn't learn much about sickle cell disease before I got to medical school, but it affects one out of 365 African-American children born in America. Through the hard work of a pediatrician named Marilyn Hughes Gaston, it's now screened for at birth, which is crucial because the overload on the body from dealing with these aberrant sickled blood cells actually makes children very susceptible to bacterial infections. Dr. Gaston's work made it so that all children are screened at birth for sickle cell disease. And what this means is that they can be given prophylactic penicillin throughout the earliest and most vulnerable parts of their lives. This has been a game changer for preventing early death from sickle cell disease. The only way to really cure the disease would be to have different genes. It's thought that if we could take some stem cells from the bone marrow and then use gene editing to fix that gene and then transplant those cells back into the bone marrow, that patient could um, make normal blood cells. There's a lot of promise for treatments like this, and they're becoming safer thanks to people who've participated in clinical trials to test the treatments. There are studies that are currently recruiting people to evaluate new versions of this kind of therapy. There's a really good story that came out in the New York Times in January of 2020 about a girl named Helen Obando who has been cured using a really complex and dangerous stem cell treatment. She was 16 at the time. They took some stem cells from her bone marrow and replaced them, and she doesn't have sickle cell disease anymore. I decided to link that article in the show notes. It's a, it's a good read. Things are moving and looking up for this disease. It's going to be a while before um, we're reliably curing people of that disease, but I think it's on its way. So now I'm going to talk a little bit about cancer, about oncology. And, you know, I had some topics that I wanted to talk about, but it's just hard to jump right in to talk about cancer. It's the second leading cause of death in America, second to heart disease. And right behind it is accidental injuries. But cancer just holds a special spot in my psyche. It's, it's just different somehow than heart disease or accidental injuries. It's not rare, but... Each cancer is different from the next with different outcomes and different processes of disease discovery, different treatment possibilities. And in some way, it's just more devastating because there's this sense that we're fighting ourselves when we have cancer. So all that's to say that cancer is a heavy topic. I've lost family, family members and friends to cancer, and it just seems more fraught than other topics. So I'm definitely not trying to make light of it. When we learn about this in medical school, when we learn about this in class, we'll have a range of topics, sometimes back to back. We might start with a really nitpicky, scientific, detailed lecture where protein X turns off protein Y, unless protein Z has already modified protein Y in partnership with protein Q. And, you know, some of that will be on the test. And in the next lecture, it might get really personal, and a doctor will be telling us about a patient she treated who died during a trial of a drug that acts on that same set of proteins that we just learned about. So we're always going back and forth between the two. One slide has a flowchart or a table of statistics, and then the next has a photograph of a dead body that exhibits some point about anatomy that's related. It's incredibly interesting, but we become immune to these kind of wild changes of topic. And nothing is, is taboo to talk about in the medical school world. We'll hear about any part of the body or the life of the body 
in class and start to forget how strange it is to juxtapose these different topics together so dispassionately. It's hard to decide what to talk about when it comes to cancer. There are things that are interesting in the classroom that all of a sudden don't seem as interesting when taken out of that specific scientific context. I'm going to wait until next week to talk more about cancer. I'll see if any questions come in about it. I'll see if I get any inspiration during this next week about which topics to bring into the podcast. I mentioned that my favorite lecture of the week was not in our normal canon of medical school lectures. This was a visiting extracurricular lecture from a professor named Goiko Baryamovich, who is a professor of Mesopotamian culture and history. He studies this corpus of medical tablets. There's 40, and they're from about 1400 BCE. And they make up this sort of Mesopotamian physician desktop guide. Their view of the body and the cosmos and disease was really different than ours. Concepts, even like the body and the soul being separate, don't seem to have been in vogue at that time. There are references to conditions which could be interpreted as diseases which were probably present then, such as sexually transmitted diseases like gonorrhea, uh, diseases like hepatitis and epilepsy and seizures. And there are cool um, prognostic indicators, like if if a cough sounds dry, then the patient will not live. And if the cough sounds dry and the patient dies within a day, then his mother also will die. And this mix of empirical with magical is a feature of the tablets. Yet, at the same time, this could be a reference to respiratory infection that could pass to members of a household. So there probably are some nuggets of some scientific evidence and inquiry in these tablets, for sure. So we practice medicine differently today, and we have a different body of knowledge that we base our science from. But we also, as modern practitioners, look elsewhere to other traditions to find treatments and ways of talking about illnesses that can be useful. I'm thinking about meditation, about herbs, about ceremonies involving psychedelic drugs that turn into psychiatric therapies. All these may have seemed exotic, but they can be something that turns into an evidence-based treatment in modern medicine. So I thought it was, it was pretty cool to just take a moment away from science literature and look back at how medicine might have been practiced three and a half thousand years ago. Well, that's it for this week. We talked about some updates from my research project and sickle cell disease, and I'm trying to wrap my mind around what to bring to the podcast about oncology. Thanks to David Funkhauser for the theme music. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you have any questions, please email me at b-r-o-o-t at fastmail.com. Have a great week.